I'm Zach. I'm, I'm Jim. <laughs> we messed it all up. No, I think we have to keep it. Jim. I think it's perfect. Jim, look at me. Okay. I'm the Kevin now. Okay. <laughs> Kevin's sick, so he can't be on the podcast. But it's oh. episode number 305 of Video Games, Wait, Hot Dog the Podcast. Wouldn't you be sick then? Oh, shit. <coughs> okay. All right. Good. You're in Crap. character. Now, uh, now Jim's the Kevin. <coughs> shit. Now Riff has to be the Kevin. Oh, no. <coughs> and now the entire podcast has died. Yep. I don't think Kevin has died. Oh, good. And I don't think he's going to die. Because I want to know what he P- thinks about Heat Signature. Period. Yeah, I want to know what he thinks about Heat Signature, too, but he didn't tell us before he died. Oh, um, no. Kevin didn't really die. It's all on um, YouTube, then, I guess. It's all on YouTube? No, it's you all on You think that Kevin YouTube. left, no, Kevin Kevin left his last will YouTube. and testament on, on YouTube? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. He would want to be the first person to die on YouTube. W- would you, like, Surely sign has. the camera? Like... What? If you're, you have to sign. Oh, oh, I see. If you were leaving your last will, and just, okay. Sorry, I forgot my own setup. Oh, also, yeah, I was sorry. I didn't mean what followed by fifteen seconds of silence. I meant yes and what. All right, so I found this remote, and I'm not sure if this is the right one. But it's going to start pushing buttons. Oh no, you're looking for the remote for the timer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So okay. yeah, normally Kevin handles all of this stuff. We are we are adrift yeah. without that without that boy. Wait, no. No. Uh, st- this is the uh, longest podcast ever. Reset start. Okay. Okay. All right, timer's counting up, so now we know. Uh all right, so 27 minutes of not talking about video games. Right. What have you guys been up to for the last 27 minutes? <laughs> Uh, for the last 27 minutes, I've been working on... Oh, no. I've been working on a video game. <laughs> that doesn't work. Oh, you Son f- of a bitch. You fucked it up. Have you done anything other than video games recently, Riff? Like, say, in the uh, last week? Like, since Thursday morning? Uh, yesterday I, uh, yesterday evening, I played some tabletop role-playing games with uh, Gary Butterfield and his crew. You mean Gory Battlefield yes, and, his Gory, and, and his crew? <laughs> his Facebook <laughs> name is now Gory Battlefield. Nice. Well, yours and is Jim Stormdancer. No, they wouldn't so. let me change it. What? That's what I wanted. Like, how did he, does he know somebody at Facebook? Because Facebook was like, that's not a name. Fuck you. Huh. Huh. Maybe and maybe it's different. Maybe there's just like a display name that he yeah. changed and you were trying to change your real ass no. name. Maybe should, he has it linked probably to not, his Twitter or some way. I should, I should or... look for that, yeah. Oh, yeah. So have you considered changing your Twitter name? to? You changed your Twitter name to something spooky though, right? No, well, I changed it to Jim Soup Drinker. Okay. That's, <laughs> That's a spooky scary. Halloween name. <laughs> I mean, I it, it kind of is. I guess it depends on the soup. If it's like a bone broth. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a kind of soup, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I changed it to match, like, April uh, had paid an artist to draw her a new avatar, which she really liked, and she she got, she got me one as well, and the avatar has a soup spoon in it, so I was like, okay, I, be- I better change my name to something appropriately Halloweeny and soupy, and that was the best I could do. Mm. Monty Hall just died, speaking of soupy sales. Mm. Oh. I guess, the, speaking of soup and death. The, the guy who knows which door the goat's behind? Yep. Yep. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes about how heaven was going to contain a goat or a car. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, or how do they know it's him in the coffin and not a goat? <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, that was the better <laughs> that's, version. That's a good version. Yeah. Um, man, Monty Hall, Tom Petty, Petty yeah. Hall. Tom Petty died twice. Tom Monty. 
generous Patreon backers such as Tom Petty, Monty Hall. Oh we've no! Got no income. <laughs> well, we'll see how Patreon long. Is dying. We'll see if our Patreon shows up in their last will and testament. Yeah, Kevin, Tom Petty, Monty <laughs> Hall. Yeah. Is, I, I is wanted... Kevin is Kevin pledging to the Patreon? I doubt it. Yeah, me too. Doesn't make any sense. He would just be paying taxes on that money well, twice. It's, it's the principle. That's of not the how that works. <laughs> right. No, it's more what? way more than twice. Are you backing it? <laughs> yeah. If you back your own Patreon, they tax it at 150% just to discourage stupidity. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't think I can. Oh. You do have to create two accounts. Oh, I did have to create two accounts. Yeah, I guess I probably could then because they don't know. They don't know those two accounts are the same person. They probably do. Probably Mark Zuckerberg told them. Yeah. That reminds Google me. figured it out. I don't know if uh, you guys actually met, but at the wedding, one of April's friends that was banned from Kingdom of Loathing for having two accounts. Yep. Um, wanted to talk to you. I don't know if he ever did. He did. It okay, was fine. good. Uh, and it definitely was not two accounts, unless one of the accounts was constantly calling people racial slurs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I assume one of them was not. Maybe that's what just what he assumed it was. Mm. Anyway, he, he had like, before that, he had, and maybe he expressed this to you personally as well. Before that, he asked me to thank you because otherwise they wouldn't, he wouldn't have switched to playing Galaxy Legion and wouldn't have met April. Right. He did. Tell me all of this. Excellent. Okay. And so now the, now the listeners know as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I turn away from the mic to clear my throat. <laughs> Chocolate rain. You know, that was by far the best part of that video. Like that guy's a pretty good singer and you know, whatever the song is okay, yeah. but the like subtitles explaining why turning away from the mic to breathe how he's breathing yeah that's the best yeah that is that's why that went viral probably what do you think tay zonday's up to probably still singing that song just over and over again yeah in anytime a, in anytime a, he can in a closet anytime anybody will give did, him a nickel see the, to do so? the, the, there's what a what lot of rhymes diet cherry me. chocolate dr pepper commercial he was in oh uh-uh. i don't i think it was just a youtube only commercial do you think eventually, like, the, the, the nadir of his career is he just sits on one of those, like, little airplane rides in front of a supermarket, but whenever you put a quarter in it, he'll just sing Chocolate Rain <laughs> while riding a little airplane? <laughs> like, huh. he's, he's actually, like, manning the ride himself. It's not like a well, he's riding. He's riding it, but you have to... He's just singing Chocolate Rain in exchange for rides on the airplane. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and that's, like, the, the main rhyme he does. <laughs> I'm riding on a small airplane, chocolate rain. <laughs> yep. Right. I, I turn away from the airplane to breathe. <laughs> he has somebody holding up title like cards that he has to pay. So really, the whole thing is a money-losing proposition. Right, yeah. In the future, though, we, we'll have uh, augmented reality glasses that show that text. Oh, everyone else will? Yeah. Okay. And he'll just have like a an, an AR transmitter? Yeah. Or, or just those glasses will just always show that text. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say, I turn away from the airplane to breathe. Right. <laughs> no matter what you're looking at. Right. It's <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good deal he made it's with a, the AR glasses manufacturers that's earlier. A, that's probably a shitty future tweet. Yeah. 
I think it would require at least 140 additional characters of context for it to make any sense. I still don't have 280. Fucking Twitter. I, I don't know if I do or not. How do you know? Do they tell you? Uh, you start typing and the number that says how many characters you le- you have left is higher. No, but I don't. I mean, I use a third-party client, so it wouldn't know anyway. Oh, they don't show you how many characters you have left? I don't know. I think they're afraid to update it because they're afraid they'll lose their API keys. and I think that's a real fear, yeah. <laughs> fall apart forever. Uh, they're... So Ben uh, had told me, uh, this is probably an NDA violation, but basically the reason that my third-party client just doesn't show polls, like if anybody does a Twitter poll, to me it just looks like a nonsense tweet. I thought you were about to like, say it because it's show like porn. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Twitter doesn't allow that. That's, come on, that's a that's beyond the pale riff. We can't we can't be showing these Nazis a boob. Is, is pale riff paler than regular? Ooh, pale riff oh. is riff spoop, spoopy how no his spoopy spookloween name, spookloween being the spooky spookloween name for spookloween. Pale riff, but a ghost. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what tabletop RPG did you play, Riff? Oh right, we were uh, talking about that. <laughs> we played um, Blades in the Dark. It is uh, it's a uh, game about uh well the the setting it's a setting kind of like the dishonored world except gary who really likes dishonored decided just to make it explicitly the dishonored world but the the concept is that your characters are a thieves guild in in that world okay who are you uh i play a uh Sort of a little orphan Annie, except meaner and with a knife. Did little orphan Annie not have a knife? Oh, she might have. It, I don't think it figured. How does she put movie. butter on her? That's like how does she put butter on her bagels? I wouldn't want to butter a bagel with a switchblade. What? Because you mean the butter would get back into the switchblade? No, you you want to use one of those switchblade? Well, that and also the blade <laughs> is kind of narrow. Right, because you you keep ordering hair bagels because they're cheaper, so you need a comb to put the butter on it. Right, yes. right. Well, and also, like, after you're done buttering it, you can just comb your hair, and it works as, like, hair gel. Oh, That's right, true. like you get that special pomade butter combo it that Dr. Bronner makes. Like, brushing all the <laughs> poppy seeds off so they don't get all over everywhere. Right, or stuck in your dentures. Yeah. Ow! <laughs> Wait, no, those are caraway seeds that that guy was really upset about in that commercial. It's like cake flour and flour and baking flour. How like there's an all-purpose flour that's not quite as good for either baking or cake or caking. But you're never going to get it wrong. Okay, that's why you get the middle. Like both, if you're not sure whether you're going to use this for butter or for pomade, Mm. you get the compromise butter pomade. Okay. I can't believe it's not pomade (laughs) or butter. Yeah. You know, everything was perfect about it. I was I went out on a couple of dates with this gal and everything was perfect about her except her hair product. She was a real butter pomade. <laughs> uh I don't think women use pomade. Oh. I mean they can. Women can do anything, but I think traditionally pomade yeah, is mean, for I bet a real pomade is for men men with would be Yeah. Oh yeah, pomade. there you go. It's, it's traditionally for men with roll with packs of cigarettes rolled into the the sleeves of their tight t-shirt. Uh, so what did you, what did you, were you, were you a little girl? Yeah. A little orphan girl. What, 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 Her, what'd you do? What, what'd uh, she get up to? We, we started out a, uh, a mission where we have been hired by a, another crew. And I think, I think it's like a smuggler crew to pick up a, uh, 
to pick up a package that we are not allowed to look in that was to be handed off to us by a uh, prison guard at the local prison. Uh, but when we got there, it turned out another ri- another third crew had killed the guard and run off with the package. So we had to we had to follow them down the river and and hijack them and get the package back. And that was where the session ended. So next session will be us attempting to deliver this crate or whatever it is back to the guys who hired us. It's okay. a pretty it's a pretty interesting system. It 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 does a lot of. Um, uh, like it, it takes into account the fact that your characters are professional thieves and therefore have more experience and intelligence about this sort of thing than a player of this game possibly could. And the way they deal with that is by allowing you to spend your sort of energy points that you've got on flashbacks to let uh. you, to let you set things up. Uh, that that your character has already done, like after you oh, find like, out like about Dylan the circumstances that would need them. Yeah, so oh, like, that's neat. So like we ran into a situation where uh, there's like all these horrible like poison spitting river oysters that were gonna be hassling our boat. So we did a flashback where we uh, went and talked to the guys that we got the boat from originally and and bought some oyster pheromones from them, which. Which so that we could apply them to our boat before before the mission, things like that. Works so what are well. those things cool. called in Dishonored? I remember uh, those. Crushed. They were basically like the fatigue, I think, that like stopped you from going into places that. Oh, huh. I, I still haven't played any oh, of the. Stop you from swimming. Yeah, I forget what they were called. Anyway, Gary knows. Well, I'll hear that story when I'm editing the podcast, uh, because like always, whenever you start talking uh, at any kind of length, you just cut out a hundred percent. Great. So well, I'll try you to know, edit it'll be a nice surprise for you, so that it. you know, so you you have some entertainment when you're when you're editing. Yeah, that's true. You came back in at oyster pheromones. <laughs> good, good. Oyster that's pheromones. Exactly the right point. I hardly know her. <laughs> As though someone with a Cockney accent has just asked me to hoist someone's pheromones. Okay. <laughs> um, well, cool. So it's a, it's like an ongoing campaign. It wasn't a one-off thing? Yeah, no. This is a, a weekly thing going to be. Nice. Sounds like a good time. Uh, who else was there? Were, were there any other of the Duckfeed cast of characters? Uh, Brayton was there, and Nick, and Ben, and Levi... Uh, yeah, and Gary. I think that was it. I don't think I'm missing anybody. Cool. So I don't, I don't is know, Levi the heir to the Levi's jeans fortune? Uh, I, uh, Brayton is on be, podcasts, but Brayton the other I'm not sure. Yeah, and Nick, Nick is Nick is too, right? Doesn't Nick do yeah, the Nick music does, podcast uh, with Gary? Oh, I thought he was uh, on the Check It Out Comrade podcast. Yeah, he's on okay. Check It Out. Nick is on Check It Out Comrade. Brayton does Teenage, teenage Dirt, dirt Waste. Teenage waste bags. Dirt, dirt bags. Teenage flying toilets. Flying toilets? You know about the you know about the flying toilet, right? Where you shit in a bag and then just like make it into kind of a sling and just throw it really far away from you. Oh, that so, sounds like a gross thing for bad people to do. Well, I mean, it's a thing for poor people who live in places where there's no sanitation. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's, it's like what you have instead of plumbing. Yeah. I get it. It would really be more... I would call it flying plumbing. Okay. That would be my uh, 
And you'd want like a, a, a like a bucket brigade kind of a system where like you threw it to somebody and then they threw it further away. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, but Maybe man, you could just you, all like, live at the top of a tall hill and it'll roll downhill. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've lived in towns where I feel like that could be their garbage collection system, where just like there are no level roads, so just like put your garbage in a round container and just let it roll to wherever it oh, ends up. It'd be oh, like man. an awesome like just, marble machine. <laughs> yeah. Just garbage spheres. Although that would be more expensive than like building a garbage company. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, building roads and garbage trucks and hiring sanitation workers. That's kind of a big upfront cost, though. I guess that's true. But I mean, I don't know. I guess you could buy a bunch of capsule machine capsules that weren't being used anymore. <laughs> Just put your just okay. First, divide your garbage up into things about the size of one of those spider rings, uh-huh. and then put each of them in one of these capsules. What do you think is the largest thing that can go in a in a capsule toy capsule? Like in the in the normal ones that are like a quarter or fifty cents at the supermarket. What is the biggest uh, thing? I mean, you mean like the ones a balloon? That are like you get a balloon inch in there size and take up a lot of space eventually. Like, yeah, your those... whole hand size. Those, oh, I've never seen one that was that big. Those well, things not, you put in water and they like expand to life-size dinosaur size. Mm. A life-size dinosaur. It's the size of a life-size raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what life-size It's a ring. Means. It's a raccoon ring with a whole actual raccoon for your hand. <laughs> it's just, just a raccoon biting its own tail <laughs> that you wear on your finger. Oh, I was picturing it just as a raccoon with a piercing, but sure. <laughs> oh, like, and you stuck your finger through the piercing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like if it had one of those lip piercings that they put larger and larger <laughs> plates in. <laughs> Man, then the raccoon would always be biting your finger. Oh, that's true. That's hardcore. Yeah. She get a raccoon that will always pull my finger. <laughs> and then, then then I can just fart whenever I want. And if somebody complains about it, I can say, look, I'm sorry. I can't. It's the raccoon. Yeah. The raccoon. The raccoon I just, pull I, the finger. Like, you put a little tuxedo I mean, on him you, and he can follow you around like a butler. <laughs> You want to kill? You want to kill it? Like, because that's the only way to stop me from farting is to kill this raccoon. Here, I got a hammer. Like, go, go to town, and they won't do it. You know yeah, they won't do I it. No one could kill a raccoon. Raccoons are cute, especially their hands. They're all like human, human-like hands. Oh yeah, they have. Do they have opposable thumbs? I think so. More or less. Yeah. They grab stuff. You can grab yeah. stuff. Like I remember in candy. Danny, the champion of the world, they trap raccoons by putting. Uh, things like a shiny thing in the bottom of a hole that they've drilled in a stump or a hole that they found in a stump and then driven nails into pointing down towards the hole, you know, to make like a, oh. I guess, kind of like an inverse cat penis. Oh, that's uh, mean. So that's horrible. they would reach, the raccoons would reach in and grab the thing and then be stuck in there, but they wouldn't let go of the thing because it's a shiny thing. Like, I think that was apocryphal, as was every other poaching technique in was, was, Danny the Champion of the World. he was the champion of, was catching raccoons? Uh, his dad was a poacher, and he would go out poaching with his dad. Right. I think they would catch turkeys by putting – they would put some sort of a raisin in some kind of a paper cone oh, that they buried. That. Yeah. And then the the turkeys would then get the cone stuck to their head, and then when it started raining, the turkeys would look up at the sky and uh-huh. drown because the cone would... Is, is that how they'd Wasn't... get the rhino horn as well? The the rhino horn would get it stuck in the paper cup? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there also one where they'd like run like a horse hair through a raisin or something so it would get stuck in the turkey's throat? And they'd, and they'd oh, maybe. And they'd and they just kind of stand there 
with their throat bobbing, not able to do anything about it, and, and just not paying attention to anything else. Right, and then you just go up and twist its head off yeah. with your dad, there Dan, were, Danny Sr. There, there was a story from uh, Errol Flynn's autobiography, I think, that seemed like it must be apocryphal, but that he had noticed that, like, if you feed sausage to a duck, it will, like, just take the express route through its digestive tract and come out a couple minutes later. And so he put a bunch of sausage on a string <laughs> and ended up making a chain of ducks. <laughs> just a big uh, old duck necklace to go with your <laughs> raccoon ring. That's good. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. We need to stop making video games and become jewelers. Yeah, and we're really poachers. good at it. <laughs> right, and that too. Right. Um, what have you been up to, Jim? Uh, I watched a movie that I liked called A Dark Song, uh, which is a movie about a woman who uh, seeks out the aid of, like, an occultist to help uh, ostensibly to bring back her dead child. Um, and the occultist is someone who, like, um, he, he seems like just a regular dude who's done this sort of thing a couple of times and it's worked maybe once. And so the movie is about this grueling month-long ritual where they they have to live in a house together, uh, sealed in, and barely eat, and, like, weird shit starts to happen. Um, a lot of the movie is about, like, how um, he knows what he's doing and she doesn't, so just she just has to trust him even when he seems like he's just being a huge asshole. Um, uh, and it pays off in a sequence that is really, like, um, weird and dark and chaotic and, like, surprisingly goofy, but, like, in a way that really worked for me. I really liked it. What's it called? A Dark Song? Yeah. <clears throat> it's like that uh, porn version of Tron, A Sark Dong. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that was that was me being Nevin uh, Mergen for a minute. Um, Speaking of Tron, um, at The Maid, I just was picking up random shit, just, like, off the shelves, like I do sometimes when I'm bored. And one of them was a action figure that I think was from Tron Legacy. Right. Did you see this video? I did. Like, it's, I took this video, uh, you can see it on Twitter or Instagram, um, of, like, I, I push a button on this guy's torso, and, like, his... He's wearing a, a helmet and a face lights up inside the helmet and has like two frames of animation huh. and then says a line from the movie. Hmm. And I'm not sure what the tech is behind that. Like, I wonder if it's like a zoetrope kind of a thing. Oh, or a because Pepper's the face ghost. I, I don't know what that is. A Pepper's ghost is where you have a 45 degree angle piece of glass and you can have objects below it that then mm. get transposed onto the scene behind it. Okay. Uh, it's like the ghosts in the ballroom of the haunted mansion. So would you do a two frame animation by like making something spin? No, normally like you flickering would. Flickering a light? I mean, normally a Pepper's ghost, you want, it's, it allows something to be moving. Yeah. Right in real time. I didn't realize from the thing, it like, Somebody described it as an FMV toy, and that just led me to believe that there must have been a screen. Yeah, I like I had assumed that. That was me who had assumed that, but I don't know for sure. Like, and I, I want it. it I've, 
if they were if there was actually like a CPU with some ROM in there and a screen at that resolution, probably they would have more frames. You do of more than two frames, yeah. But I mean, do you think it was like a motorized lenticular thing? Or I something? didn't hear. And well, I mean, maybe the, so it the has voice to have a battery because it's yeah. Maybe the voice was masking the motor sound, but I feel like if there was something spinning in there on a on a, on a motor, I would have heard it. Crazy. <clears throat> do you still have it over there? It's at the maid still. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Man, the what a disappointment Tron Legacy was. Disassemble it. Right. <laughs> was it was it bad? I didn't know. It wasn't a bad movie, but it was a very bad Tron sequel. Okay. Like Tron, I, I think I probably said this at the time on Video Games Hot Dog, but um, I feel like I feel like I would say that about Tron too. Tron also. Tron also, that it was a, not a bad movie, but it was a bad Tron movie. <laughs> yeah. It, so, I mean, Tron was about the people in the real world and the programs that represented them and the way that their stories intersected and the way that their personalities influenced each other. And then Tron Legacy was a movie where in the very beginning of the movie, people go into the computer and then they never, ever come out and you never see the people on the outside again mm. until the movie yeah. is over. And so it just wasn't like it just didn't have the like fundamental structure of right. Did you ever watch the cartoon? No, it was all right. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I finished the first season, but it was watchable. I didn't know there was one. Yeah, I think it's based on the Tron Legacy world. It has to do with like it. It it is again something that that takes place entirely inside the Tron world, but it has to do with like the rebel factions and so on. Oh, but it was kind of cool. I thought the Tron level in Epic Mickey was neat. Wait, that's a video game. It's can't talk about that yet. Well, well, let's see. Twenty three minutes and forty five seconds. Yeah, I must have seen some movies since. The last show, but I don't remember any of them. I took a woodworking class. Yeah. Um, How's that? What did you make? It was fun. Uh, I made a hexagon. Cool. Um, that was it. But, uh, it was, it was the first thing that I had done. I've, I had done a few little, like, uh, like seminar things at this wood shop near, near my office. Uh, but this one was near my house and much nicer and like had a wait list a long time ago. And I don't know that it was like, it was harder to get into and more expensive. And it was a two day course instead of a two hour course. Um, but it, this was the first time I had done anything that required actually like it required any joinery, like putting wood together uh, without like nails or screws or whatever and making a single wooden surface out of multiple boards of multiple kinds of wood. So just learning how to like use all the tools that are necessary to do that and then actually like gluing and clamping it. And then, uh, so yeah, Groovy. it was fun and I made a hex. It was, it was technically like for making cutting boards, but I just, everybody kind of made fun of me the whole time too. It was one of those things for where it was like, yeah, work for wanting to make a hexagon. It was like one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, people are just going to comment about this thing being weird as a way of like disapproving of doing something unusual. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was just being self-conscious about it, but it felt like, you know, you know, like whenever you're called upon to do a project, you probably both of you like you want to do something interesting and maybe yeah. try to do something that somebody hasn't done before but that is not what the teacher wants and that is not what your peers want there's a um an article uh written by i th- i think it's the game keto guy whose name i don't remember but game keto is like a a website that is about teaching people to make games um so it approaches it from in like a, a didactic way um and 
uh, the article was called Learn It Like Woodworking. Um, and the premise is that when you learn woodworking, you, the first, like, the thing you do for the first, like, six months is build to someone else's plan. Um, and so what you should be doing, and, and, and so you're, you're doing this because, like, it's a, it's a known series of steps that's known to produce something, like, that people, right. That people like. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's a, and these, this series of plans has been chosen by like someone who's like figured out that this is like a good way to learn all the skills you need to build something out of wood. Yeah. And then after that, you start making your own plans. Um, and part of this class though was making your own plan. It's just that sure. it was making your own plan for a rectangle and that's what everybody did and that's what everybody had always done. And <laughs> right. so it was like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, just to finish the thought though, like, like there's definitely an instinct. Like I grew up making software and software is infinitely replicable. And so like it doesn't feel as valuable to make something that already exists because you could just copy that thing. Right. And so I have this instinct whenever I'm making something, I don't want to just copy something that exists. I want to make something new, even if that's harder and I will give up and not learn the skill as a result. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's probably, that's probably a thing. I kind of want to just hang that on the wall rather than using it as a cutting board or a serving board. Yeah, uh, I don't want to get cheese are, goo are on it. Are cutting boards made of a bunch of different materials? Sometimes they are for some yeah. reason. Yeah, I mean, if you're really apparently if you're really making a cutting board like to function well as a cutting board, you have to do a much more a much more difficult process than they were going to teach in this class, which was that the you need it to be like the end of the grain so that cutting it doesn't damage it as much. Right. Um, Although I think that has not been the case with cheap cutting boards that I've had. Also, mostly plastic cutting yeah. boards. <laughs> right. I made a cutting board in a different uh, woodworking class that was just a simple, like, single piece of wood that was just like, here's how you use this saw that cuts wood, and here's how you, you know, use a router on the edges of it, and here's a drill press to make a hole in it. And I've been using that as a cutting board just so that I can ruin a thing that I worked hard on. <laughs> um, but it's fun. I've been, I've been enjoying thinking about wood yeah mm, yeah see it seems like it would be rewarding i have like well. three or four youtube guys that i follow that just do woodworking stuff it's real it's real cool to watch i should see if i, I should see if there's a similar uh class or something around here yeah i bet there is i mean nobody in portland has a fucking job i'm sure some <laughs> of them are doing woodworking <laughs> seminars on the side of nothing um all right you guys want to talk about video games? Okay. Can't think of anything I'd rather do. I played a video game uh, called Golf Story. Oh yeah. That a Good. lot of other people have been playing and talking yeah. about on various podcasts. How, how yeah, is that? it's. I, I had to slap my hand away from buying it because I'm already in the middle of like four different games. But yeah, I just elected next on the list eventually. I just elected to add another one to be in the middle of. I don't. I don't know if I'll. Uh, I'll finish it or not. It's. It's basically a sort of sixteen-bit style RPG where instead of combat, there is golf, mm-hmm. and it's pretty well integrated. Like there are definitely times where it's like, all right, you're on a golf course and you're just playing these like nine holes of golf, but anywhere in the world you can drop a golf ball and just hit it with whatever clubs you have to wherever on the map it will go to, and often there are like hidden buttons that you can hit to get points or whatever experience points or experience points or money or unlock some some weird thing um and it's 
Does it's, everybody like have a unique comment to like when you hit them with a golf ball? Uh, some of them do. Yeah. There's like the, there's the, there's this driving range in the first course area that's for whatever reason just littered with washing machines. And when you hit a ball into the washing machine, the door slams shut and you get some experience points. It's got an interesting, uh, progression system, sort of like a, it's simple, but I think uh, I've not seen anything like it before where you can put points into either power, accuracy, spin, something or something. And putting points into power reduces all of the other stats. Hmm. And so you have to kind of figure out like whatever, you know, your power determines like your maximum drive distance or whatever, which is just always going to be advantageous, right? Like being able to hit it further means you can hit it precisely anywhere in the, in the arc from here to there. Um, but you have to kind of balance how much you want to have to deal with, like, like how precise do you want to have to be when you're doing the little, like, cause it's just like a golf meter mini game to hit the ball. And so the other stats like influence that, like, how exaggerated is your hook if you don't if you get left of center or whatever? I don't remember which is hook and which is slice. Kevin's dad would know, but unfortunately, Kevin's dad is busy attending Kevin's funeral. There's probably some sort of mnemonic like port has four lefty lefty hook hooky ricey slicey. So, yeah. Can we get so, Kevin's dad to play heat signature so we can talk about it? Oh, I don't know. It's sad that we're not going to find out what Kevin thought about heat signature. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. Can. Skype we'll allows you to make two-way phone calls now, doesn't it? Oh, uh, we three, could three-way, three-way calls. Well, I'm just using the telephone here, but okay, uh, never yeah. Mind. But I mean, I guess we would need a Ouija board, <laughs> yeah, or a Luigi board, since we were talking about video games, right? Um, it's 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 written by an Australian company, and it's like the writing is fine. It's not something that I would say is really good, but it isn't like just skip everything bad like you know it, it gets it gets the story across and it doesn't like waste a ton of your time although you can't speed up the dialogue there is a lot of so you I, couldn't skip everything even if it was skip everything well bad. you could just not be reading it while you were hammering on the a button right. uh it does it's got a pretty interesting text delivery system where they they have really fine-grained control over the size of the text and like the way that it's animated and the orientation of the speech balloon and stuff that like they just they do they get a lot of personality across just in the way that the text is presented it's kind of mm. like word arty in in some way uh, so uh, it's like it's larger if the dude's shouting and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah, and it'll it'll get small when they're whispering, and and yeah. and like the it's doing it at weird angles and shaking it around and like making it throb in and out and stuff. Like it's it's pretty clever. It's it's very effectively done, and I imagine that's why they don't let you speed it up is because they're it doesn't mean anything to present it instantaneously, right? <laughs> right? Like you'd have to just like simulate all of the stuff that was going to happen as it was being displayed. Um, Are they all in the same font? I think so, but I doubt if that's going to hold forever because it yeah. seems like that's a clear way that yeah. they could differentiate Especially, it I mean, further. Like, yeah, because that was like the big Pogo thing, Pogo Possum comic strips, was that all the all the weird characters had their own font. But, uh, I wonder if, I wonder if maybe... Know, Walt Kelly like, trademarked that and so nobody else well, is allowed to do it until he dies. <laughs> well, well, no, I was going to say, I wonder if the like... The Undertale guy bought the are, trademark. and uh, I wonder if fonts are like heavy in, in terms of file size. 
I don't think so. No. No, they're like a couple hundred K. Yeah, because they're just a bunch of, I mean, true type fonts at least are just a bunch of like, they're basically like SVGs. Yeah, it's just vector art described as numbers. Um, but who knows? I mean, if Golf Story was made in Unity, then it's not really vector art. Like it's a bunch of garbage for text processing that you have to handle manually Hmm. or use some kind of plugin. Did you just use true type fonts in? Frog fractions too, or uh, yeah, okay. It was it was it was just TTFs that I dragged in, and it, the was it all it's got a fixed font. width though. No, no, um, Unity has pretty decent font support, hmm. so I was able to just load it and like tell it to put this text here on the screen, and it would do okay. God, we had a ton of trouble with like Victor was having to write stuff for West of Loathing that was like just hijacking Unity's font rendering to constantly make sure that stuff was on pixel because otherwise like every third line of text would be slightly blurrier than all of the other lines oh, because yeah. it would be like off I'd, by half a pixel or whatever. I think I did run into that and I can't remember if I actually solved it or not. A lot of, wasn't a lot of the text in the world just graphical tiles though. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. so but I I did I did a bunch of that. Like a lot of Frog Fractions 2 was built on a tile rendering engine including a lot of the text rendering. Um, but then there was also a lot of freeform text as well. Like part in the of the mini games and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Part of the, part of the frog fractions, like visual aesthetic is that there is no cohesiveness to it. And so like having, well, isn't that convenient? <laughs> it's kind of nice <laughs> for a lazy dev <laughs> for, for someone who's like not an artist, like, um, and, uh, and so it just, it made a lot of sense to just have a bunch of different, uh, rendering techniques in there. The the one thing that I will say I'm not super thrilled with about Golf Story is I have run into like three or four over the course of playing maybe three hours of it had three or four just like hard sort of hard locks like it would be try it would take the player's control away to do something to like have a cutscene play out or play a specific animation on the on the player character or whatever but then just never come back and so like you were there and you could like change your facing but you couldn't move and none of the buttons did anything like and it was always it was always in places where you were like sort of toggling between normal play and like some kind of mini game mode there's like a miniature golf course that like at a certain point like on one of the holes it was just like well like, I wonder if it just, like, the physics got stuck in some kind of loop where it thinks the ball hasn't stopped for right. forever. And another one was when I was doing, like, there was, like, a Frisbee mini game. There's, like, there's some guys that are all into into Frisbee golf, and they refuse to acknowledge the superiority of golf golf to Frisbee golf. Uh, also, there is this running gag or just some kind of Australian catchphrase where a character will just say sucked in exclamation point when they've just tricked someone. Hmm. And that's weird. Oh, what, when they tricked somebody? <laughs> yeah, like if they pulled one over on somebody, they'll say sucked in and then run off. It, like it, like when Into a character in The Simpsons trap, would say maybe? yoink. Yoink, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird. I don't. I've never heard that before. Maybe I should ask. I, I heard that on, on Waypoint when they brought up the same thing. <laughs> right. Um, it's weird. But it they, happens they a, didn't bring it up the context lot. of like specifically it was a trap, which makes it make a little bit more sense. Like, or you said trick, but my, my mind went to like 
you've been sucked into the trap or something somebody, like so that. So somebody What's says it? it multiple times after like running off from a food truck without paying for the food that they ordered. <laughs> they will yell mm. sucked in and run off. That's not really like, a And trick. I thought at first it was like that meant they were eating it. Right. Yeah. Like I thought, ah, oh, sucked in. Like, like it was just, they were just emoting that they ate the food really fast before it could be confiscated yeah. from them. That's what I initially thought. But then it was like somebody, somebody said it after tricking someone out of some money. I, there was a, there was a thing where I was on Slack talking to Craig, uh, the other programmer on Frog Fractions. Um, we were talking about a task that neither of us wanted to do. And he said, bags not. Which oh, is I've apparently how that. you say, yeah. apparently how you say not it in New Zealand. Huh. I've, heard, I've heard bags not it as a, as a UK thing. Okay. Yeah. Weird. So if you were really enthusiastic about something, would you just yell bags? I didn't ask. That's a I, good idea. D- so, I mean, like dibs is a thing like yeah. that. Right? Dibs not. Yeah. Dibs not. Oh. Bags not sounds like bag snot, and that sounds gross. Well, that's something you don't want, so it makes <laughs> yeah, that's, sense. That's true. Like when you blow your nose into a bag and then just whirl it around and throw it. Or you they call it, that the flying Kleenex. You or well, you blow sorry, the your flying nose facial into tissue. like a bag and then shove the bag in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. They call that a handkerchief. Right. It's disgusting. It is, isn't it? Yep. Like cloth diapers, man. If I, if I shit in something, I want that thing to go away, which is why I throw away my toilet every time I shit. You throw it across the, uh, as far across the city as you can. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I moved yeah. to the top of a hill. Yeah, so just that, roll it down so, the hill, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I moved to the top of the hill made of all my discarded toilets. Right. <laughs> toilet Mountain, they call it. Look at me. Look at me. I'm King Turd of Shit Mountain, I would say. You're under arrest, they would reply. <laughs> um, and then I played a game that I got uh, from a Kickstarter from a long time ago called Thomastry, which is a text Yeah, sometimes adventure. Kickstarters will, like, actually deliver on their yeah, thing years later. They almost later. always do. It's, well, yeah, but, like, for, like, three years they didn't. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then, I mean, like, you know, Thimbleweed Park did. came out. That was a Kickstarter. It yeah, delivered. True. Wasteland 2. Uh-huh. Uh... Pillars of well, Eternity. Well, it's been more than three years. Torment, so, like, Tides, now and Numenera. It's been a bunch of yeah. Things, but, like, I'm still in the mindset of, like, waiting for all these things that I kickstarted. Chasm still isn't fully out, and that was the first Kickstarter I ever backed. Oh, yeah. So, so. Uh, so Thomastry, it was just, like, a text adventure that I want to say that maybe I just backed it sight unseen because Emily Short posted something about it. Um, but I might be wrong about that. It was like, I, if I had described it, a month ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, it's a text adventure made by somebody who, like, made a bunch of well-known text adventures in the 80s. But then when I looked at, I looked this guy up after the Kickstarter actually delivered, I was like, I've never heard of any of the text adventures that this guy made in the 80s. So, like, this was a guy who made a bunch of obscure text adventures in the 80s. Do you remember Uh, the guy's name or the names of his works? I do not. Uh, Let's say his name is... Bill Bixby Pullman. Okay. Bill Bullman. I was going to guess Paxton. Oh, still survive. Yeah. Bill Bullman. <laughs> yep. Oh wait, Bill he'll Pullman. turn into a bull. Oh yeah, he'll survive and turn into a bull, a bull bear. What? 
<laughs> it's like an owl bear. Or a stock market that's flat. Okay, yeah. Um, anyway, Thomistry is a text adventure that is, it reminds me in some ways, though not like density or quality of, fuck, what was Andrew Plotkin's text adventure that just came out um, like a year uh, ago? The one that, ha- Hadrian Lands? Hey, yeah, Hadrian Lands. Hadrian. Uh it reminds me of that in the sense that it is just real friendly about, like, if you type something that it seems like it would work, it just will. Like, it figures out enough about, like, it's just a much better sort of flexibly programmed thing than old text adventures. And right. it's really, it's in the, like, enchanter sorcerer tradition where a lot of your verbs are just spells that you learn uh, and then can cast on things. It seems pretty cool. It seems, like, relatively constrained. Like, you're in areas that are maybe, like, six or eight rooms solving some stuff and then moving on um but yeah that's called thomistry t-h-o-t-h-a-u-m-i-s-t-r-y oh that makes way more sense than t-h-o-m which is how i heard it the first time thomistry yeah yeah thomas thomas three yeah what about you riff you play any video games uh i started playing the new danganronpa uh version three uh, that's so that's a visual ni- novel about Japanese high school kids yeah, murdering each other. Murdering each other. Yep. It's uh, it's pretty good. I've I've only done the first case so far, but the the very first case had a pretty good twist in it. So I'm excited to see some more of it. Uh, I w- I would recommend anybody playing it to play the demo first because the demo is is different content and gives you some freebies for the main game. Ooh, classic. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good. Probably, probably, I would not advise playing it unless you've played the first two, though, because uh, I, I have not yet seen any any real particular ends with the overarching story game from the first two. But you know they're going to be there. So, probably, isn't it like five hundred hours? Aren't, aren't those games all like five hundred hours long? Nah, they're not that long. I'd say they're maybe a dozen hours long. Yeah. Okay. I think I confuse Danganronpa and Persona when people talk about oh, them. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Persona is a whole JRPG attached to the attached to the uh, to the to the visual novel, whereas this is visual novel plus like a uh, uh, courtroom drama, courtroom arguments where the where the uh, mechanism that it's that it's run through is like little little. Uh, mini games like there's like a hangman mini game where you're trying to figure out a clue or a a uh, uh, a sort of target shooting mini game where you're trying to shoot shoot down somebody's bad arguments with your evidence bullets and <laughs> things like that so it's it's real snappy and the the characters are all real weird what does danganronpa mean in english i have no idea I don't even know if it means anything at all. It might just be a nonsense word. Huh. It's not like we're all in Danganronpa High School. Uh, not as far as I know. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen the word, like, used in the games. They don't do like a, you know, frankly, my dear, I'm gone with the wind. Or anything like that. <laughs> the confusion I had was that Danganronpa was a shmup series. Oh, really? So, apparently that's... Uh, maybe I was thinking of Doran Apache. 
Oh yeah, you're, I think you're thinking Dodon Apache. Which means, according to Google Translate, Angry Leader B. Huh, okay. I'm looking, I'm trying to look it up and I'm not finding anything. I guess the thing to do would be to Google, what does Danganronpa mean? What does it mean to you? Google will reply. You're under arrest, I will reply. <laughs> Can you still use Google when Google's in jail? Oh, man, I don't know. You have to just jailbreak your phone. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll have to go to DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo? DuckDuckGrayDuck, I think is what the what Minnesota version of that yeah. <laughs> site is called. What's DuckDuckGo? Uh, it's a search engine that promises to not track you. Oh. Huh. I feel like I would trust a search engine not to track me until they said that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Google's not tracking me. No, They course. would never do that. They, well, remember, they promised to not be evil. That's true. You're under arrest, I replied. That's right. <laughs> I'm, the e I'm the karma police. <laughs> Being evil is not the same as doing something illegal. Is it? That's a that's a point of discussion in like a, a first year uh, philosophy of law. Is it class? <laughs> is there a is there or, a, or a, in a jail. Like sort of like primary moral obligation to obey the law? Like, no, obviously not. Dummy <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> right. Replied the professor. That's it's a very short class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, well, that's not all. You, you, you have to read Antigone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then Les Miserables. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything else, Riff? Uh, I played a bit of uh, the new Picross game for the Switch. Uh, it's good. It's Picross. It's it's it doesn't have a ton of bells and whistles. It's just good old Picross. Uh, it also has Mo like monoc monochrome. No, it's it's color. It, it, uh, well, the the puzzles are monochrome, and then when you solve it, the picture becomes color. Uh, well, right, right, right. But yeah, right. But it's not like some crazy multicolor no. Picross. It does have huh. it does have the Mega Picross mode. Are you familiar with Mega Picross? No. It, it's it's imagine Picross except sometimes there are clues that are uh, two rows or columns wide. So like you'll have a great big four or whatever, and what that indicates is that those two rows or columns contain a blob that spans both rows and contains that many pixels. Oh, neat. Uh -huh. Okay, so that's just additional information on top yeah. of... Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting, because um, the other, the other Picross-like puzzle that I like a lot is Nurikabe, and this, is, this kind of adds a little bit of that, because you kind of have to think about, like, what areas can this blob flow into and which pixels can it not possibly reach and which pixels is it absolutely going to have to go through and things like that. And so it's sort of a blend of those two ideas. It's fun. The The bummer is that it uses all the same pictures as the normal Picross mode. So if you've played like a bunch of the normal Picross, you'll start seeing, you'll start recognizing the pictures when you go to play Mega Picross. And I'm not sure why they would have cheaped out like that, but... I always wondered, like, if it was considered to be cheating to use, like, your 
prediction of what uh, your knowledge of pixel art yeah. to predict what pixels would be filled in I, or not. I, I think what I what I generally hear is that it's it's not cheating, but it's a gamble that might turn out to be a bad idea. Right. Because no, you don't sense. know for sure that those guesses are going to be accurate. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, if you see, like, if there's three rows in a row that are, like, two, 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 like, probably those are just going to be two parallel lines that are yeah, too wide, yeah. right? Like, almost, almost sometimes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> almost some of the time, it's going to be that. Use content-aware fill to solve the puzzle for you. What about you, Jim? Uh, so I, f- I finished Rhyme. I don't know if you guys remember that I talked about this. It was a couple of months ago that I started playing Rhyme. Mm, which, I don't, I don't remember what game that is. Rhyme is, um, the game that was advertised, like, four years ago as being very eco-like and Shadow of the Colossus-like. So, like, there's a, 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 like a 12-year-old boy, maybe, uh, running around climbing, uh, soaring architecture on a, desert island not a desert island but a beach like near a beach and and on an island um that was with the content of the trailer that we saw like in 2013 um and so like my diagnosis at that point was like okay i'm really looking forward to playing a game that is like eco that is like so shamelessly like uh like a game i really liked from you know 2001 or whatever it was um and it turns out that, like, only the first chapter of the game is like that, and it keeps doing new things and also, like, getting... Like, so, I'm, I'm going to give some story spoilers here. Um, the game is a study on grief, and the way it does this is by having chapters named after the stages of grief, which are, by the way, like, not actually how humans deal with grief. That's just some shit someone made up. And so, like... That felt wrong to me. Uh, but as it turned out, like, it still works pretty well as an abstract adventure. Um, so like the first, uh, the, the, the level where you are, um, running around on an island collecting baubles and like playing with forest creatures is, um, is the chapter called Denial. And, uh, it, it, it represents this in gameplay by just by not being like the rest of the game. Um, and then the chapter called anger is one where you are like being constantly assaulted by a bird, like a giant bird that is trying to eat you and you have to seek shelter from the bird. And it goes on like this sometimes like with more success than others. Um, uh, until like you find out that you were dead the whole time. And the last chapter is you playing your father who is more, who's been mourning you and your, the father apparently has a really active imagination because the last 10 hours of gameplay have all been happening in his head. Um, and I thought it, like, I, I, I didn't really, uh, think it was working from a thematic standpoint up until that, but then, like, I'm really, I'm a sucker for melodrama, so, like, it, the last chapter retroactively made it work for me, so, like, I guess that's pretty cool, um, but if I had stopped any time before then, I probably would not be recommending the game. Uh... It's got really lofty ambitions in, in terms of, um, the kind of game it's trying to be. Um, by which I mean, like, games like Eco and Uncharted and Prince of Persia, um, have these really 
uh, articulated characters, like articulated animations, and they're trying to like depict uh, a lot of different kinds of like motion through space and climbing. And this requires a whole lot of like really nitty gritty detail work on the parts of like the animator and the programmer and they're working together very closely for years. Um, and they didn't really pull it off here, uh, because there's lots of situations where like you want to, you know, start moving in a direction, but you can't because the animation that's, that's playing has to finish first. And so like you're holding in a direction, but uh, and maybe they have like an animation for like moving in one direction, switching to moving in another direction. But instead of just moving like the joystick from that direction to the other direction and triggering the transition, you let the joystick get to the dead zone. And so it has to finish playing the stop moving animation before it can uh. play the start moving animation again. That's just a hypothesis for what was happening. But like that happened constantly throughout the game was like, I was really wishing this character was less well animated. So I could just get on with solving the puzzle. I feel that way about basically every over-the-shoulder third-person game. Yeah. Except World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Well, because World of Warcraft has, like, no animation ambitions. Well, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's gotten better over time, but it, like, does not ever allow the animations to get in the way of your character moving when you hit the button and stopping yeah. instantly when you take your finger off the button. Yeah. Priority. Yeah. Yeah, and I... it found myself like you know I, I i basically enjoyed the puzzles that were presented to me because that's like that's the form of interaction you have with the world there's no combat um and the platforming is pretty minimal so really what you're doing is solving puzzles and the moving around in the world didn't feel good so it was just like a barrier to how quickly i could try like a, a puzzle solution a potential puzzle solution i thought of and so like I feel like this game would have been better done as like a, just a mist style interface. But when they put out the trailer for like, this is a game like eco four years ago, they locked themselves into making that game, mm. you know, like there's, there was no way they could back out of that after they'd promised one thing. And so like maybe, and, and like presumably in 2013, they were like, well, we'll get it working well in the next four years but it turned out to be really hard and they couldn't pivot because they'd already promised one thing. So Cuphead came out. Yeah. It's speaking of something that had been worked on for a really, really long time. Yeah. I have has anybody, any of us played it? Uh, I haven't. I've heard really good things about it, but I've also heard that I wouldn't like it. Justin yeah, Bortnick says that I wouldn't like it. <laughs> that, that is definitely a knows. game that I want to watch somebody who's good at that sort of game play. Yeah. I, as soon as I found out it was a run and gun, like that's the most boring application of that art style I can think of. Like I I really like the way that game looks and I really like it is really out of character for a character that looks like that to like inter interact with the world by shooting it. Mm. Like, I, I want that character, like, to do mischievous shit, not violent shit. Okay. So, like that, like that trailer for the game where you play a mischievous goose that just came out, which oh, looks yeah. amazing. Man, that looks really good. <laughs> yeah, it does. I didn't watch it. What's it about? It's about a goose that... It's, uh, yeah, it's like a it's goose like that's a, an asshole. <laughs> yeah. 
It's sort of like you, a, you play... a stealth game where you're also like, besides sneaking around trying so that the farmer doesn't see you, but the purpose of this is to like steal his garden trowel so that you can go do something somewhere else and things like that. Oh, gotcha. So it's just sort of like more of an adventure game than it is like a goat simulator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks like it's a, like a, like adventure a stealth game kind of adventure thing. game. Yeah. I forgot and was just reminded of one of the best moments in Golf Story, which happens kind of early in the tutorial where you're you're playing and you're, like, taking some golf classes as a child and you have to, like, it's time for you to learn how to putt. Now sink this putt. But there's these geese moving all around the the green in a pattern and it keeps distracting you and the instructor is like, you know, when you make it into the real tournaments, there will be a lot more geese than this. <laughs> like, oh, okay, this is this is pretty good. That's okay. Pretty good tone, you, I you guess. You sold me on the writing. <laughs> it's, it never quite lived up to that again. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. But, uh, but yeah. And I played, uh, I finished uh, Data Wing, which I talked about last week. Um, and I hadn't realized, like, last week when I'd played like an hour and a half of Data Wing, I had basically finished it. Like, I was expecting this to be like a, a game with a whole bunch of content. And, like, I had been surprised that I hadn't seen any monetization so far at the time, but it turned out I was like almost done with the story and it's actually just a totally free game that ends after like two hours. Huh. Um, and it's really well done. It's a really like, and it, but it feels like the mechanic feels like it could support like a really long, you know, and getting really difficult kind of a, a action racer platformer sort of a thing. Um, I recommend it. Um, I, it's on Android. It's probably on iPhone and it's got a, a game type that like fits a, a a phone interface really well, and it's got a story that sneaks up on you as being like surprisingly good. Uh, and it's apparently just like some indie devs' you know, personal like passion project that they're not charging money for. So that's cool. Good thing he didn't mortgage his house. Yeah, that would that would be a disaster. And I played a game called Jerry. Uh, which is, as far as I can tell, it is a, um, Jerry Seinfeld uh, simulator. No, it's based on Tom and Jerry, but I think it's unlicensed. And it's, uh, a game that is sort of like a semi-competent platformer where like the only platformer the developers ever played was Super Mario Brothers. So all the mechanics are from Super Mario Brothers and like all the level design inspiration is Super Mario Brothers and so you start out as small Jerry at small mouse and you can collect a mushroom and become big Jerry. And then when you collect a, a fire flower, you turn into Tom who can <laughs> shoot fireballs. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Uh. Um, that, I guess that's all I have to say about that. It was like, it was all right. You know, it was fun for like 10 minutes to like, just to see, uh, like, see where this dumb, semi-competent platformer goes, and it turns out, like, all the levels are based on 1-1, one, one, mm. because I think, like, when I said the person only played Super Mario Brothers for inspiration, they probably only played the first level. Okay. Like, the first screen of the first level is the the uh, first pattern of bricks and, and coin blocks from Super Mario Brothers, and then the first screen of the second level is that same thing, but bigger. So you never get any, what do you, what don't you get? You don't get moving platforms. You don't get nighttime worlds. You don't get 
the big mushroom trees or the big normal trees. Yeah, no water levels. You don't get a bridge. Yeah, you don't. No, there is, there is a bridge. The bridge sprite is there in one one across a gap. Is it? I think. Maybe not. I don't think it is. Uh, it's, you've, they've got fences in the background. Okay. Uh, you don't get any vines. Nope. Uh, you don't get any buzzy beetles. Nope. You don't get any flying turtles. Nope. You don't get any bullet bill cannons. <laughs> nope. You don't get any hammer bros. Nope. You don't you, get. You don't save the princess. You don't get any podoboos. <laughs> or podobos. <laughs> okay. Uh, Which you, is the other way to pronounce that word. <laughs> okay. You don't get any poodoo bows or poodoo boos. Or, or bantha poodoo. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Actually, like, I've only played the first two levels of this game, so maybe those things happen. You just skipped right to World 4 of Super Mario Brothers 3 with the oversized blocks. Do you get an even bigger mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good idea. Turns you into an even bigger Jerry. <laughs> or, or uh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then you throw twi- fireballs that are twice as big. What's the What's the dog's name that was chasing after Jerry, or rather Tom? Oh, uh, Spike. Spike. Butch. Yeah, yeah. you One could turn those. into that, and what would turn you into that though? Like a star. Sure. The star was in this game. It turns you invincible and you flash. What? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Who thinks of this shit? Is there a flagpole at the end? Oh, I forget. I think there is. Anyway. So, I mean, in a way, you could describe Braid as a game made by somebody who had only ever played the first level of Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) Well, he had also clearly played Donkey Kong. Okay. Um... Yeah, are you guys ready to talk about the assignment? Heat Signature? Yeah, why not? By Tom sure. F., age 35. This game's pretty good. It's real good. I like it a lot. I uh, It probably doesn't hurt that I am, like, kind of not, like, Diablo 3 depressed, but, like, a little depressed. And like, so it's like, postpartum depression that we're I've talking about? i played a lot of... Well, yeah, I mean, probably, like, shipping the game and then going through a breakup in rapid succession. Right. Like, both of which were real, like... Boy, that sure was the end so of a it's, thing it's that was... postpartum and postmortem at the same time. Yeah, that sure was the end of a bunch of shit that took two years. <laughs> uh, one of which made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, you didn't get the prenup? <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, but I played a ton of Heat Signature as a result of being uh, sort of too mopey to work. Uh, and man, it's good. It's got just like that tight, tight loop... Uh, you, it, the loop is really tight. Like you can do a mission in this game in like forty-five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you basically you get mission. You 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 pick one of a bunch of randomly selected or randomly generated characters that start with a random gear loadout, and then you do you pick randomly generated missions to infiltrate randomly generated spaceships to get randomly generated items, and then some money, and then, uh, yeah, man, is it good? So I only played this game for like two hours, but I never found. An item that I liked better than just, like, hitting people with the wrench. Yeah, the wrench is pretty good. There's eventually, you get, like, you can get concussion hammers, which are, like, the wrench, but with a huge knockback. Okay. Uh, and I think maybe a, a 
faster recharge. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's. I was thinking it was just concussion as like the word. Like that. Like there was like a. You know, like a nail gun that uses bullets. I had imagined like you hit you hit something with the hammer, and then something happens internally where like a force gets applied. Oh, like a hammer. Full that was of how I am. Bearings or something. Or like a hammer full of gun, <laughs> but <laughs> okay. the gun just fires the the head of the hammer harder oh, when like you hit in, something. Uh, like in uh, Phantasm, dude, dude attaches a puts a thumbtack on the bottom of a of a shotgun shell and tapes it to a hammer, oh. uses it to, to destroy a locked door. Oh, huh, okay. That seems like a good way to blow your hand off. Uh, so yeah, you, you, uh, like, you do a bunch of missions with each character, and then each character has a personal mission, which you have to save up a bunch of money, and it's like four extremely difficult missions worth of money, or like eight easy missions worth of money to unlock your personal mission, which is invariably just so difficult that trying it results in you dying five seconds in. Yeah, like the the one I tried, I, I was dead literally five seconds in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every single time. The, the difficulty ramps up real fast. Uh, and... And that was like, admittedly, it was because like my character couldn't survive any time in space by that point. Right. Every, the more wounded you get, the less time you have to like recapture your body if it gets thrown out the airlock because you've gotten caught, uh, which is a thing that happens to you all the time. The guards on harder missions will get new abilities and those are like typically like I feel like the game has a pretty good skill ceiling because I have gotten way better at it in like 10 hours or nine hours of play. Like I'm just doing stuff way faster and more sort of facilely than I used to. And like, oh, now I know if these guys have this, then I need one of these going in. The problem that I kind of have with that structure is that like, like if a mission comes up and the guards have shields, I just think, well, I'm never going to do that mission because the only thing that you can use to circumvent shields are things that are consumable and you just mm. never have enough of that stuff. Like, is, does that just mean you need to stealth it or? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I got the impression that there would be stealth missions in this game, but I never got to the point where I tried one. I think you just can. You can stealth anything. I mean, it's, you know, I, partly I know this because I know Tom likes stealth. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, th- there's like, Certain missions will be like, this mission is, has been issued to you by the person who likes you to ghost things. So, like, you have to do this without anyone ever seeing you. Right. Uh, and without injuring anybody or whatever. And I also never bother with those. Like, the, the one, the one thing that I wish the game had that it does not have. And, and this sucks because, like, the art in this game is, Fantastic! All of the interiors of the ships and all of the interiors of everything look like just really nice versions of like modern Dungeons and Dragons maps, oh, like stuff that's done in that. Like it looks like Sunless Sea kind of, and 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 Sunless Sky. I was going to say like down. I really didn't like the art style purely because like looking at things directly from the top, like that does that's perspective that you never see in real life. Yeah, but you see it in Dungeons and Dragons maps. Okay, which I love Dungeons yeah. and Dragons maps. Fair enough. That said, as nice as the art is, I wish that there was a, a toggle in the options menu to turn off basically all of it because it took me a really long time to get to the point where I could consistently see the guards. Like yep. I would walk into a room and be dead because there was a guard in there that I did not know was there. Most of the time I see it. when I 
like the way I know a guard is there is because the game slows down. Right. And then a little exclamation point appears over them, which is the process of them realizing that you, right. that you're there. And then sometimes that's also like a cooldown on their weapon, but sometimes not. I yeah, don't yeah. actually know. Um, I don't know. You know, when, when Jeff Gerstman described having the exact same problem that I had when he was talking about this game on the bombcast, I thought, well, maybe this is just a feature of the sort of specific colorblindness that he and I have that's, I think, very similar. Um, no, I think it's because, like, a human form viewed for directly from above just doesn't look like anything. Yeah, and it's it's a different style of art slightly than the background art. Like, it does pop a little bit, but, like, I really – I would prefer if every guard in every mission had the, like, heat sensor thing because it mm-hmm. just puts a giant visible red circle around where the guard is. Yeah, well, like, especially if it's, like, it's rendering the thing, so it's not like the game's trying to hide it from you. Right. Yeah. I would, I would vote for that too. Yeah. Like, and then I could like zoom out further and see like a lot of the time if I run into a hallway and like the game slows down, oh, it's because like someone at the opposite end of the hallway, two screens away, because I can't see them because I'm not zoomed out enough because at that detail, I can't see anything. I try and I I really, really struggled with this and I think it took him a while. I I struggled with this in like beta testing this game, uh, full disclosure, I guess. Uh, and, I knew from talking to him about it that he wanted people to not have to manually zoom ever. Uh, And I was doing it constantly when I played it in beta. And it got to the point at release where I was like, I'm just going to try and not do it and see if I can get used to playing that way. And I totally could in a way that I couldn't before. But I do think that the further you zoom in, the better, the easier it is to see the guards. But it's also just like... I didn't try not zooming in, mm. not zooming manually. What happens if you don't? It just sort of handles it for you. It kind of just tries to figure out based on the context of what you're doing, like what the zoom level should be, and it's pretty good. Oh, that's that's awesome. I'll try that. Yeah. And that's definitely what he was hoping would be the case. Like, he didn't want people to have to be thinking about that and, and just, like, fighting with it all the time. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, it's... I don't know, man. I've had a ton of fun with it. Even though, like, all of the personal missions are way too hard. Like, it always just ends up like, well... This the the guards in this have armor and you don't have access to any armor piercing stuff or the guards in this have shields. And so you're never going to be able to accomplish anything yeah. ever at all. At, like at one one mission I had, like the the assassination target was wearing um, an explosive that would go off if they died. <laughs> um, and like if I had shot them, that would have been fine. But I docked them out and then you can't use your gun on them. Uh, and like, you can walk up to them and like, there's a button to kill them, but then you're right, you're right there. So I ended up like putting them on my ship and taking them back to, um, the drop off point where like, where you drop off like, uh, rescue mission targets and like kidnapping targets. And I just dropped them there and they said, oh, okay, well, he seems to be alive, but we can fix that. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm glad that it responded. I just did that by accident once because I just mistook a capture mission right. for an, or an assassination mission for a capture mission. Yeah. Um, something that I only learned an hour ago from talking to Chris Remo is why I would pretty routinely find myself just blasted out into space by an explosion that I had no idea what was, was going on. There are bombs in a lot of rooms, and I I knew sort of intellectually there are things that look like bombs, and it seems like there would be bombs in here because that would be a way to create some emergent gameplay. Okay. But 
the first time I saw one, I shot it and nothing happened. And so I was just like, well, I guess these don't do anything. But apparently when they get shot by you or by anybody a few seconds later, no. they blow up, which because this game is arbitrarily possible and the scale of time slows down a lot, could be like a minute later right. for you. <laughs> right. Um, and so I probably just left the ship before the one before my test bomb blew up. Um, yeah, that that happened to me, and I, I and I also didn't know what was happening, or I I assume that's what happened. But at some point, I was just vented into space for no apparent reason. At least you're not bleeding, so you have more time to pick yourself up in your little pod, right? Uh, if you if you uh, get just like knocked out by a yeah yeah, it was blast. an oxygen meter instead of a, bl- a blood meter. No. Yeah. Um, there is also this overarching sort of strategy layer to the game where it it randomly generates a galaxy and then av- as you do missions, you fill up this like liberation meter and then once it fills up, you get to liberate a system which just basically puts it under your control. It makes it another friendly base that you can go to and in a lot of cases unlocks a new kind of technology that will then be for sale in the shops, which I think that is the progression path to doing the harder stuff is that like eventually you're just always gonna like now there is always an armor piercing gun for sale in the shop yeah um that said the only way that i can imagine ever finishing a mission where the guards have shields like i get how to deal with shields but how do you deal with shields so you can use a crash beam which just turns them off or a subverter, which causes the shield to work for you. So the shield allows damage in, and if they shoot, it just bounces off the inside <laughs> of their shield and kills them. Nice. But those things are all, you can have one that, like, has three charges, and it resets itself when you go back to a friendly station, but you have 30 seconds to finish this mission, and there are 60 guards on this ship, which it's like, okay, well, this is just not possible. <laughs> Like, I mean, I, you know, maybe you're just supposed to like just kamikaze run through the halls and not like, like, like it, it, the game, the nature of the game that you can pause anytime and go into slow motion. Like it does mean that you can do uh super hot style, like, yeah, uh, crazy bullet time shit. And it's really fun. To just, yeah. like, go into, especially if you have one of, there's another device that, like, slows down time for everyone except you, which just, like, basically, you're in slow motion, but everybody else is in super, super slow motion, and your cooldowns are are made much smaller. Yeah. So, like, you can just go into a room with five guards, trigger that thing, and then just kill all of them with a sword, even though the sword has kind of a, like, the long sword has kind of a long cooldown. It's funny. The blades are described both by their length and their cooldown. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, short blades have a much shorter range, but you can just use them like bam, 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 bam. Or I oh, guess I get it. Snicked, 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 snicked. There were, I, I discovered that you could like have a, a a melee weapon in each hand, and this is actually meaningful on the uh, right because the, then li- you have two different cooldowns. Right. The with. the liberation missions will say like do this mission with a short blade, a short blade, and like a. Some other item. Right, yeah. Every every station that you liberate also then creates a mission that Tom has chosen the parameters for it. Like, here's a character with this loadout. Here's the kind of mission that you have to do on the kind of ship. And that's, I think, meant to teach you how to deal with different Right, and those situations. you can retry. Yeah. Which is really cool. 
that said, I beat one of them and the others were all, I, I bet if I went back to a bunch of them now, oh, sure, yeah. I would be way better at it and it would probably teach me some more stuff. But so there are, there are these like, there are pieces of gear that do the like, you know, this turns off a shield or this disables a sentry gun or this, you know, this uh, makes a sentry gun be on your side or this makes the shield be on your side or whatever that are just straight up consumable, which I feel like I'm just never going to do anything other than immediately sell those. And then there are higher order ones that recharge themselves. They have like, you know, three or five charges and they reset themselves whenever you go back to a friendly station. So you can use them a few times. Then there are certain things that are self-charging versions of those things. And having one of those is the only way I can imagine ever beating a mission where the guards have shields is if I had a thing that got rid of shields and I was doing it on a mission with no time limit so that I could just take out a room full of guards and then wait until the thing recharged and then take out the next room full of guards. I know I just need to get out of this model where I'm going to kill everyone on the ship. Right. And that is the only metric for success, right? If you kill everybody on the ship, you can fly the ship back to your base and get like a pittance of money for it. And it is so fun to run around just killing everyone on a ship because it's just like, it's as though everything you do in this game is as satisfying as punching a dude over and over again in gunpoint. Like, <laughs> he just n- nailed it with the just, like, visceral satisfaction of, like, I don't know, just the, like, the heft of the, of the using the weapons is so satisfying. I, I had found myself wishing there was more you could do with the enemy ships. Like, cause you can't, like, then go do the next mission with that ship and dock it to an even bigger ship. And you then... can't take another mission, I don't think. Like, you can go, like, blow up another ship. Oh, like, what, you can apparently right click, like, you can right click and it fires all the ship's weapons. Uh-huh. Um, I think that over the course of development, the game went from being about flying ships around and doing shit with them to just breaking into ships. Like, I think he made it way faster to get to new ships. The fact that you can just hold down a key to speed up time 6x, no matter what you're doing, just, that's so fun. I was so, yeah. I missed it for a long time, and after I found it, I was like, you know, I would have bounced off this game in a tenth the time if I hadn't realized. Oh. There's also, you can replace your pod with one that, no matter how fast you're moving, you can hit a button and it just teleports instantly to the airlock of the nearest ship. <laughs> so, that makes it so it is like one second to make it to any mission no matter where it is on the map like you just kind of go vaguely toward it speed up time as soon as you like see the thing about to intersect with you just hit the button to teleport to it and then you're in the ship it's like space just basically became a dungeon select menu (laughs) yeah so for a game that is so emergent and action-based there sure is a lot of like dialogue trees in this game have you discovered like so th- every every person you play as as far as i can tell has a randomly generated personal story like a personal goal but have you know have you discovered like a overarching story like are you going towards a certain goal in this game i think you i mean there are the, there are at the terminals of all of the different territories of the four factions that that control the galaxy there are strongholds that you get these, you get, eventually you can unlock missions to liberate the stronghold, which is just about like hijacking a big ship and crashing it into their base, uh, which I managed to beat one of those because somehow it spawned a ship that struck me as being in, in a real serious violation of the ship generation rules where the 
the bridge was right next to the airlock and totally unguarded. <laughs> so it was like supposed to be like a crazy, crazy difficult mission, but it was literally dock, kill the guy in the pilot seat, sit in the pilot seat and hit F so to nobody... speed up time until it won the mission. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like it didn't alert, like because if you go on there and there's no alarms and you kill the pilot, you can fly the ship without alerting anybody if they don't walk into the bridge, I guess. Yeah, like uh, I remember like t- sitting in the pilot seat while there were still guards around and it says to 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 fly the ship, you need to kill everybody on the I don't know if it actually was said to like to fly the ship or to safely fly it. Yeah. Because it may be that like in their random patrols, they don't actually run into the sh- the bridge. Yeah. So you might have just gotten lucky. Yep, I, I think mean, I, twice I did. is what I mean. Yeah, and then every like once I tried to do a second liberation mission of the of the stronghold, it was like, well, okay, this is one of those things that I'm probably again never going to be good enough at to do. But it's neat. You can still just do like a fun, easier mission, and you make a little progress on a little meter. It's God. It's just such a such a well tuned progression loop, especially given. How late in development I know the overall sort of mission structure and the overall way that the galaxy works was kind of finalized. Yeah. Man, so good. Yeah, I do wish you could turn off the art. <laughs> like, because <laughs> the, the other thing is, like, the the ships are full of, like, treasure chests that you can open, but... Those are pretty visible, but another thing that is on the ships is, like, sometimes they'll just be, like, a box of ammo in a room, and that just, like, completely blends into the scenery. I don't think I've ever seen either of those. you never seen the treasure chests? I don't think so. Oh, they're just, like, big orange. It's a room that's just dominated by a big orange crate. Maybe I just haven't run into one. No. Okay. I feel like there's at least one in every ship, more well, or less. Well, then I probably just haven't noticed. No. Uh, but that's where you get most of your items. Uh, you can find – so if you elect to retire with a character, you can take one of your items and give it a name, and then it goes into the drop table for all of your Steam friends. Hmm. So That's neat. That is pretty cool. Like, And I'm Steam friends with Tom, so I there are so many items that he did that with, presumably when he was developing <laughs> the game, that uh, I'm finding that stuff pretty regularly. That's like – as if the developer of the game put an item in the game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's <kinda weird. laughs> nuts. It's so cool <laughs> that it's like that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for making a good video game. I kind of want to go home and play it some more. <laughs> but I can't. I have to edit this stupid podcast. Uh, apparently, this game is selling better than Gunpoint. Yeah, I think I think that's the impression that really I got. neat. Yeah, man. Makes me happy. It's good. I don't want. Uh, I don't want Tom to have to get a real job. No. You'd have to go back to doing games journalism. Wonder if he has. Uh, wonder if he has an idea for the next game. I mean, I'm sure he has a thousand ideas for the next game. But I wonder if he has like a seriously developed like thing that he's decided is going to be the next game. Yeah, I'm curious. Can't wait. Um. Our next assignment, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna pop back to the Patreon, uh, backer assignment suggestions and play, uh, a game called Caro Blaster, which I guess yeah. is made by the Cave Story people. Yep. Um, or the Cave but Story it is a, guy. It, I think it's just one dude. Okay. It? Uh, it is a, cave story was, yeah. it is a platformer, 
like real low res pixel art that is yeah. designed to be played on a telephone. I think it was like iOS first. Oh really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember picking it up when it came out on iOS and playing it a little and and I like I didn't like bounce off of it exactly. I just didn't ever pick it up again. It wasn't because I thought it was terrible. It was just cuz I kind of forgot about it. But uh because a lot of us are going to Indiecade, we wanted something that we could uh something kind of bite-sized. So yeah, Carol Blaster. And I'll I'll uh when I have the spreadsheet in front of me, I will think of the name of the person who suggested it. Thank you, Patreon backer who suggested it. Hey, speaking of which, do you guys know who this episode is uh, brought to us by? Who? No idea. Our generous Patreon backers. We have those? Yeah. Can you think of any? The mm. Kilo Blaster. Uh, is that just a racist joke? Uh, there was a, a Epic Mega Games published shmup in like 1993 called Kilo Blaster. Mm. Oh, and then there was that advert game for Gnarls Barkley, CeeLo Blaster. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Generous Patreon backer, CeeLo Blaster. Uh, sound Blaster. Uh, uh, sound, Unsound Blaster. Uh, uh, sound Blaster 16. I don't even know her. <laughs> Ghost Blaster. Ghost Mustard. Grandmaster Blaster. Tina Turnerson. <laughs> Teddy Graham What's the name Master of my horse? Blaster. <laughs> Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 305 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do another one real soon. And I, and I really hope Kevin can rise from his grave and join us again. And listeners, I hope that you will also rise from your graves. And if you do, you can listen next time. Do and you if you a, don't, just stay dead forever. Do you have a good, like, four-bit decimator to... <laughs> while you're editing this. Four-bit decimator? I hardly know her. <laughs> Kakaboo-boo-balaya. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. That's what she said. <laughs>